Always a pleasure to talk with my guests here on the MLTBL show, ESPNHawaii.com. Technically, we talked to them last week about a longtime mentor and mutual friend, Glenn Johnson, who passed away recently. But this week is going to be a little bit of everything golf, baseball. Jack doesn't know what I'm going to throw at him, but yeah, I just love talking to him. He's uh, covered sports. Let's, from... let's, stick, let's stick with the golf. <laughs> stick with the golf? Okay. You're not happy with Scherzer being traded? <laughs> Uh, no, he wasn't traded. He, I, uh, I mean, he a contract, traded. right? Well, I mean, for one hundred and forty-four million dollars for over over seven years. Come on, <laughs> that's ridiculous. So uh, he hooks up with uh, Doug Sister, who also was traded, uh, not traded, but I yeah, think he was traded yeah. last year, wasn't he, to the Nationals? Yeah. So, okay, we'll stick with golf. But Jack Berry, I mean, he's just uh, you know Michigan Golf Hall of Fame member and has covered. Oh, wow. How many? hundred plus of golf major championships, on and on. But I always like to ask Jack to go back to how you got your love of sports and evolved into being a journalist. I think it's a great story. Well, it, uh, you know, I grew up being a, a sports fan. In fact, I grew up in the in the 30s. That's 1930s when uh, Hank Greenberg was playing for the Tigers and Charlie Geringer and uh, Hank Greenberg was my all-time hero. And, of course, he played at the same time Babe Ruth was playing. And while Ruth had 60 home runs, uh, Hank had 58 home runs for, for his top. And those were in, back in the days uh, before they were taking all kinds of steroids and everything to muscle up and, and hit home runs like uh, – like Sammy, uh, like Sosa and uh, McGuire and and those guys, Bonds. But uh, my dad uh, got a job with the Tigers in 1940, and so I uh, became even more of a even more of a fan. And won the uh, they won the World Series in 1945. The last time the Chicago Cubs got to the World Series, and the Detroit Tigers beat them in seven games in 1945, and uh, I still have my father's uh, World Series ring from, from that time. But uh, then I uh, I was so so interested in, in sports that our parish priest, uh, Father Allen, says, well, you know, why don't you go to Marquette University over in Milwaukee? And that the Catholic Journalism School, so I did do that, and uh, that's how I how I got into journalism, and eventually uh, graduated from Michigan State. Worked for United Press, and then the Detroit Free Press, and then the Detroit News, and along the way, it's been a, a great uh, great life. I got to uh, cover the oh, all the best things, like I did Secretariat's Triple Crown. I did. Uh, Rose Bowls, where Michigan even won back in Bo Schemetter's uh, time. And uh, the uh, Miracle on Ice uh, at Lake Placid when the United States Olympic team won the gold medal. They beat beat Russia on Friday afternoon, and then they had to beat Finland on Sunday morning to to win it, and they did that. And uh, so I've I've done a lot of British Opens, uh, a lot of Ryder Cups, uh, and I've been very, uh, very, very fortunate to uh, to go to a lot of places and meet a lot of nice people, and been to Hawaii a number of times, and and love it. As, as a matter of fact, 
I think that if if you took a poll and uh, said that, uh, I'll tell you what, you can go any place in the any place in the United States for vacation for a week or two weeks free, where would you want to go? And I think the number one place would be Hawaii. It, uh, it's uh, it's such a terrific spot, and uh, the last couple of weeks on television, it has never looked better. Just absolutely gorgeous. The the uh, Hyundai Tournament of Champions at uh, up at Maui at uh, uh, and then uh, this past uh, week over in in uh, Honolulu at Waialae, and Jimmy Walker uh, had uh, a great uh, great tournament won by. About nine shots after after blowing it the previous week, and now and now this week at uh, on the Big Island you got a great uh, great tournament. I mean, what a fabulous field! I mean, you got you've got three great European uh, all stars, superstars: Colin Montgomery, Bernard Langer, and Miguel Angel Jimenez, my favorite. The yeah, he. Interesting man. <laughs> it's going to be fun to watch him, and he was also just named by Mitsubishi as one of their spokespeople, so it'll be fun to see yeah. him work into some of those TV commercials. But tell me some stories about those people as you you know see the names, and you're right, it is. The field is great, over 40-plus players all week in the 54-hole stroke season opening event at the uh, Four Seasons Resort, the Mitsubishi yeah. Electric Championship at Hualalai. So you covered, you know, as you were telling these stories about Secretariat and stuff, I, every one of them, I have a pretty good foundation of them, and I know that a lot of that is because I've read you for years. I mean, you're a longtime friend, but longtime columnist with the Detroit News, and I read about those things during those times. I was living through them, reading, and, and I, I realize how much you've taught me through your writing and your columns. It's, uh, it's just, it's so fun to always talk with you, Jack, and so, some, some stories about a couple of those Europeans. Okay. I appreciate that. Uh, oh, also on on Jimenez, uh, not only did he get the Mitsubishi uh, global global brand ambassador, he's he's also got a, a clothing contract with Bobby Jones, which was one of the you know the nicer uh, nicer clothing outfits in the world of golf. And it's just uh, the last couple of years, uh, he's finally been recognized. I mean, I always like to watch him the way he the way he walked. He, he, I describe him as like an ocean liner, just smoothly going through the waves, and that's the way that he he walks. His stride is uh, almost majestic, and his uh, the exercise routine that he goes through, which has you know been a, a big hit on YouTube for a couple of years now, fantastic, and his little red. Uh, ponytail and his uh, red wine and his cigars and and finally he's get, getting recognized the best thing that happened to him was was the uh the doseki uh commercials of the world's most interesting man because here uh Jimenez looks like the world he looks like he could be doing that commercial uh, himself yeah, he has, and his persona is being more welcomed these days as people want, you know, the personalities on the tour. Do you remember the first time you covered him or, you know, watched him play? Well, first, uh, well, it would probably be uh, early in this uh, early in this century, I think, would, would have been. But just 
watch it just watching the smooth way that that uh that he walked and the, and the way that he played it just you know he's such a nice player and uh even when the uh Ryder cup was at oakland hills uh back about what was it about two thousand whatever uh, right. when, the United, okay. when the United States got hammered uh my uh, daughter Anne is a pretty good photographer, and she got a great uh, headshot of uh, of Jimenez with the cigar and with the cigar in his mouth. Uh, uh-huh. That was the time the European uh, Langer was the um, was the captain of the European team, and and he said, you know, meet with the people, and have a, you know, have a fight, you know, be friendly, have fun like that. Whereas uh, uh, the United States players were. Um, yeah, it was like they were in a convent or something. Uh, they didn't, you know, they weren't hanging around signing autographs and chatting people up or anything like that. And it was a, a great uh, public relations coup for uh, Bernard Longer's European team that uh, crushed the United States, unfortunately. unfortunately. Yeah, and that hadn't, it's not the first time, right, in terms of that kind of demeanor? And then they did, then they did it again the next year at... Uh, uh, at the K Club in in uh, Ireland on a very wet wet field there by the same score. So, and uh, and um, Jack, when I you know you're talking about starting with UPI the other day, you and I were exchanging emails or something, and and I always loved the fact that you covered years ago, and because the technology so exponentially has rapidly changed, and yet at the same time, so many people that wrote and generation of you know, like you said, you used to use uh, UPI and the way that you all communicated your stories. You used uh, all the the same uh, symbols and abbreviations like we use in texting today. That that's where it evolved from. Correct. Yeah, that was just uh, we always did it in uh, lowercase. We had uh, the uh, big wire machines, uh, and we were our own United Press. We were the lean, mean wire service whereas the Associated Press was a big, rich lawyer service, and they they had operators to send their stuff, whereas uh, generally we had to, uh, we wrote everything on the uh, on the machines ourselves and uh, sent them. And when that tape would go through, I mean, that thing went through lickety-split. You had to be writing, you had to, like, burning your fingers off on, those, on the keys. But we would, everything, it, we would always write everything in lowercase, as uh, the machine turned everything into uppercase, everything that newspapers, radio stations, TV, and so forth that got that got our service, everything came over in, in uppercase. And uh, when we would communicate between the different bureaus, why we would do things in lowercase and abbreviate abbreviate everything. I mean, the, the way that they do it now and texting, I mean. Hey, that's like fifty years old or more. You know. <laughs> well, <laughs> we were we were doing that. When I and, said and I, I was, generally, yeah. I always write uh, when I write anything, uh, you know, uh, letters or anything on uh, on the computer, and sending anything. I always do lowercase. Well, when I got that email the other day from you, I was like, oh, great, because I'm always doing that and going back and capitalizing the proper nouns. Now I'm like, hey, Jack does it. So that was that was nice to hear that, that I, I have a story of a, where it came from. And so the reason I mentioned about talking baseball was that I saw an interview the other day, and you talked about the Chicago Cubs 
And I remember a couple of years ago after you told me about that with your father being the traveling secretary of the Detroit Tigers at the time and and um, that era, I happened to see that documentary on ESPN. And the other day I saw an interview with Don Newcomb on ESPN. And I thought of you because it was from that era of the 40s, right? And he yeah, talks about... He was, he, was a, he was a national leaguer. We never saw them. <laughs> But his personality, and he talked about he yeah, and Jackie yeah. Robinson and, and uh, Roy Campanella and why Jackie was picked as the guy to, you know, represent in that way. He said, Don Newcomb said, I was a kind of a, not a hothead. He said, I was 19 years old. I didn't have the, the social skills that, that Jackie had. Maybe he was a better player, but it was just, he was so articulate. And it's so, pieced in the pieces of civil rights for me. It was just the most wonderful interview and, and about that era that you, you lived through right there, right? In oh, yeah. many ways. Yeah, I remember, you know, when uh, uh, when the first uh, uh, first black players came in the American League and um, was it Larry Doby that uh, played for uh, Cleveland and when they came to Detroit, White Briggs Stadium was, was Briggs Stadium in those days. Uh, the place was packed, and and uh, the um, you know it was uh, was finally the uh, finally baseball got got with it. Well, all the sports did. I mean, the, the National Football League and and, uh, and basketball. Uh, so it's, it's and, you know. And how did you see all that evolve in terms of journalists and sports writers and? Well, but, uh, it was always uh, all the uh, all sports writers were black. I mean, were white, and and then uh, that started the change. So we got more, uh, you know, we got more uh, uh, black guys in, and uh, you know, we got staffs now are are uh, uh, probably um, maybe in some papers. I mean, there there are more African American sports writers than this, than there are. Uh, White guys, so it's it's just that's worked out, and everybody's you know it's been not a problem uh, at all. Everybody's everybody gets along well and appreciates what everybody what every everybody else does. We have you know, we've got a lot of good writers in Detroit now. Uh, yeah, how about uh, Tom Gage just getting into the Hall of Fame, uh, right, Tom? Huh? The Hall of Fame, yeah, that was really nice. He, uh, we sat next to each other for a while at the at the Detroit News. Our desks were side by side. Tom's a real good, real good guy. Tom yeah, Gage, and he has he, he has some roots down on Grozeal. Last time I saw him up in the press box for the Tigers game last summer, was it? I guess. And uh, he mentioned he had some history down in Grozeal, so I got in touch with somebody who handles some things at the Historical Museum, and I'm just delighted to see that uh, about him. And I love that mutual respect you guys have for each other. Well, it's uh, you don't make a lot of money, but you sure have a good time. <laughs> and you know, and uh, one of uh, what my greatest uh, thought about having to work was when you when we do the um, the open or a, a tournament at Pebble Beach, and you go drive from Monterey along the along the ocean, and they think, "Holy mackerel, I'm going to work." You know, it was just gorgeous, just beautiful. And what it was, the, the thing that I liked so much about golf compared to the other sports 
is that uh, they're all out. It's always outdoors and in so many beautiful places. I mean, it just, uh, you know, a basketball court is exactly the same, whether it's in Detroit or in Moscow or in Beijing or, or wherever. A hockey rink is basically pretty much the same dimensions. Uh, baseball, 90 feet between bases. And you're all there, and they're all in these confined areas, whereas in golf, Man, you're all over the place. Look at that's why I loved looking, uh, watching uh, Kapalua, and uh, especially when they got the the aerials and they get up out over and over the water and see all the uh-huh. whales jumping and uh, and last week the uh, all the uh, aerials over Honolulu and over Diamond Head and uh, you know, the, some of the side pieces with uh, Mark. With Mark Walking Fishing, those aerials, by the way, you know, you, we talked briefly by email about the Monday finish. That Monday finish for Kapalua was created by and advanced that idea for several years until they picked up on it by Mark Rolfing, and it was so that they weren't competing against the playoff, the NFL playoff games on the Sunday. And that's worked out well. And Mark, all those aerial shots, they're using a fixed-wing plane now. So, uh, you know, Mark is very innovative. It'll be fun to talk to him this week and get some updates on other things. I always say, you know, once he suggests, says to me, I haven't had this idea, I always say, we'll probably be seeing it happen on the PGA Tour in the next year or two. But nice of you to say that. I know he'd love to hear that. And, um, yeah, they were, they were great sights. It was nice to see. I wish they would wear Aloha shirts. <laughs> that would, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, loosen up I, just a little bit. They have to get that, uh, the, uh, the logo, the um, whatever, whatever well, they call you, it, the flower. Yeah, logo. you can put that on an Aloha shirt too. But you know, I just want to flip back to Detroit a little bit. You know, you at the Mercy uh, to become friends with Gary Lightman and, and Leakman, I think it's Lightman, and uh, there's the media for you at the Mercy. So I've really been following them a lot over the last couple of years. They're a big part of the city, aren't they? And also about your daughter Judy. Is she the one that also does some editing for our media? Uh, Anne, it is. Anne, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, she does. Yeah. So she's yeah. followed she, in your As a matter of fact, this, uh, today uh, she and my 18-year-old uh, granddaughter, stage-struck granddaughter, is, are at Texas State University, in uh, which is between Austin and San Antonio. And they have a very, uh, apparently they have a terrific musical theater program uh, at that at that school. And my uh, granddaughter sings, dances, and acts, and she has applications into 14 different colleges, universities, whatever, for their theater programs. And uh, they're going around and seeing where they can get the best, uh, you know, <laughs> the best scholarship offer or the best offers. But uh, she's a very talented, talented girl. Yeah. Well, you uh, you said you called her stage truck once before, and I thought, wow, she's more really focused on more the bolo, not all of it. Isn't that wonderful? And yep. you, you mentioned she was doing the Nutcracker all season. Or um, the other no, thing is, that that all, you have four daughters, right? Correct. Four daughters. I think that's really yep. interesting that you would have four daughters because part of your history, like you were the the one guy, I course I always mention it every time we talk because we have different listeners, but to me your greatest accolade is your lifetime achievement award down at the Masters at the uh Golf Writers Association dinner, a lifetime achievement award in your own parking space at the Masters. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a cool that was, but that was great. You had, 
you had so much to do as far as advocating for for women. You were when you were president of the Golf Writers Association, you were secretary for years, but you were influential in getting them to lift the ban on female reporters in the Masters locker room. You had a lot to do with forming the Michigan Women's uh, Golf Association and uh, pub links, pub links, which to me is even more important. So, you know, that advocating for women and everything, what a, what a neat thing that you've got four daughters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you've got to be the most supportive grandpa out there in terms of yeah, sports. And, and, and my mother was one of, I think, six six girls. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, always had a lot of women around. And was she into okay. sports? Was your mom into sports? Uh, she uh, she liked baseball, you know, back in, you uh-huh. know, back in those days. Actually, was born in 1906, so the the uh, women were not as into athletics as much. And then, she, you know, right. she's married during the Depression. And uh, uh, when my dad got the uh, job with the ball club, why, you know, that was great because she was a great baseball fan then, and the games were always on radio. Mm-hmm. And, and when your dad was the secretary of the Tigers, did you hang out at the stadium a lot? And did you? Ah, uh, yes. Very, That's how you, indeed, I did. Isn't that cool? <laughs> uh, uh, so, I, had a big, I had a big mouth in those days. And, did uh, you really? <laughs> yes. And I, uh, Rudy York was uh, a first baseman for the Tigers at the time, home run hitter. And I was, um, gosh, I don't know what grade I was in, whether I was in seventh grade or something like that. Uh, and I started yelling. He struck out a lot, too. And I started yelling after he struck out, and that word was passed on to my father real quick. And so <laughs> I did not—I did not go to the ball game for about a month after that. Oh. I was grounded. <laughs> so. Isn't that interesting? Well, we're talking with Jack Berry, a longtime friend, longtime sports writer, over five decades, covered over a hundred. Plus the golf majors championships we talked about. He's the member of the Michigan Golf Hall of Fame, his accolades, but uh, mentored so many people. And, and just a couple things I jotted down over the last week of things I wanted to mention, and particularly with the Mitsubishi Electric Championship, the Champion Store season opening event happening this week at uh, at uh, Hualalai. Uh, it runs from Wednesday through Sunday, 54 stroke, beyond the golf channel, of course, and Dave Marr the third. So a couple of things that came to my mind was 35 years ago, the senior tour was started. They had four events with a purse of $475,000. You probably covered those. So some comments about that and maybe even about Dave Marr, because um, it's Dave well, Marr the third. The, uh, uh, when, the, um, when Palmer turned 50, they, they had changed the uh, – uh, the age limit, the USGA, you had to be 55 to play in, like, the, the senior championship. Well, when Arnold turned 50, uh, they uh, they got rid of that for the uh, for the champion for the U.S. Open. And when uh, he was entered in it and Bud Erickson was the PR guy, was doing the um, – Actually, he was the tournament director at Oakland Hills. And he says, the first thing call he gets is, I want to get a ticket for that Arnold Palmer tournament. You know, it was, uh, Arnie was definitely the king. Uh, when they, they had the Ford Senior Players Championship, 
at uh, Tournament Players Club of Michigan, but before that, it was played at uh, Dearborn Country Club one year. And Arnie rolls up. This was like I forget, Monday or Tuesday, early in the week. Arnie rolls up to the uh, uh, turnaround, you know, the bag drop in his Cadillac, pops the truck. There, there's nobody around. I mean, there's no big crowd of people uh, that early in the week. He, that Cadillac pulled up. The trunk lid went up. Arnold Palmer gets up, and my God, they came around like like fleas or flies. Oh. This huge crowd counts. All of a sudden, people come from everywhere. And Arnold typically signed every autograph. I mean, he, he was uh, sensational. And I think I've mentioned this one, one, that's one or two times before, but always beautifully written. A beautiful autograph, unlike the scribbles that these guys give now. Uh, back in the uh, back in the day, players uh, wrote their names so that you could read them, and uh, in really nice penmanship. And uh, Arnold said, well, "Gordy Howe, my you know my all-time favorite." Gordy always said, uh, "Very, very nice autographs." Gordon Howe. I can remember it. I can see it right now, just like Arnold's with the you know the big loop and a couple of stories in that regard. You mentioned the Ford Seniors. Brian Goyne was the tournament director at the time at the Ford Seniors, and he's now had a PGA Championship management. So I've worked with Brian for going on 19 years now. I'll see him in the next day or two. So we have a lot of Detroit connection. I'm sure you guys were were great friends, and he always loves seeing people from Detroit and. And and that's kind of a fun connection. The other one is uh, Dick Mudry, a fellow golf writer. He tells me the same story about Arnold. He says that David Graham uh, tells the story about Arnold used to sit in the locker room and tell the, everybody, sign your name so people can read it. You know, take yep. the time. And really right. try to, and it's nice to see those those players remember that. And uh, that kind of brings to my mind uh, Tony Lima. I, I asked you about Tony Lima because yeah. David Lima lives here and he's going to be a guest. David's pretty. He always has a lot of nice things to say about his dad and wants to do a show and we're going to. I think it'll be interesting. And there's been a new book that came out. You said that the author, Bill Rowland, had been in touch right. with you. But any thoughts about Tony Lima that you can share? That personality? You know, kind of like... Uh, no, just, uh, I mean, he played at the Buick. Um, let's see, what, two, four, six, about eight times. He won back-to-back. Uh, he won uh, 1960 and 1961, and then he was uh, the next year he was he was leading, but did not win. Phil Rogers won, but uh, Tony was you know the Champagne Tony, so he had Champagne was set in the media tent already for him winning again and popping the cork, and since he wasn't going to win. He turned it over to uh, Phil Rogers. He said, "Enjoy," and let, let Rogers uh, pop the cork uh, for his victory. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, he was, huh? uh, you know, he was a big, handsome guy with a beautiful swing, and and just uh, you know a, a terrific crowd favorite because he he played to the crowd. The crowd loved it, and he responded. Uh, and I remember him so well at the Buick Open. As I, I was a junior golfer, of course, and we'd all hike up uh, up there to Flint, Michigan. That's when all the automobile companies were a big part of the PGA Tour, and it's nice to see them coming back in, in some ways in regards to supporting the, the tour. And uh, well, wow, those back, are fun. Back, 
they're back in a big way now. I mean, they've got yeah. uh, Cadillac and uh, uh, Lincoln is is uh, you know into it, and uh, so they're uh, you know the car companies that have found uh, they're just finished or they. North North American International Auto Show is this week in Detroit downtown, and they're showing these fantastic, like three hundred thousand dollar cars, whatever. The top one percent is doing real good in this country right now because all of the, the the biggest cars that they're showing are very expensive, very sleek. I mean, they've got everything soup to nuts on them, every kind of. Uh, of electronic or technological advancements in all these cars, and and uh, the the uh, com- the car companies are hot into sports again, and fortunately into uh, into Buick. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I was talking earlier about Jimenez. He had a you know uh, he uh, just got over to Hawaii from uh, he playing over in. Uh, Sony? What was the tournament? He and he and uh, in McElroy had uh, three guys had a hole in one. Oh, in Dubai, that's right, 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 right. Okay. At Abu Dhabi, and uh, you know uh, when uh, Jimenez ball jumped in, he turned around and he looked behind at the big uh, the big billboard behind the uh, behind the green. And he thought maybe you know maybe he's getting the car because Cadillac was also a sponsor of that tournament. But instead, there was a uh, there was like a speedboat of some sort, and there was no boat. Cadillac did give away a car, but it was for a hole in one on an earlier par three hole. Oh. <laughs> so uh, neither Jimenez nor McElroy uh, got a Cadillac out of that uh, out of the races. Isn't it? But Cadillac got a lot of publicity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they always want people to win, right? Because they got it insured, yeah. and it's even better if they win and get it. The other note I made was uh, Sam Saunders. Nice to him. Uh, Arnold Palmer's grandson, you know, he's really stayed with right. it, right? And he's now, right. you know, he's, I don't know if he's got a conditional card or full-time PGA card, but sure nice to see him out there. And I remember so well meeting Arnold at his plane, that Cessna that he would fly into Hawaii for the senior skins and a little handful of us, about six of us would go out to the airport and greet him because it, the people at the bungalows would kick him out in the limo and Sam was just a little boy and it, it's, it's just so fun to see. I just root for him. Oh, let, let me get in one. Now, this was the 50th year of the Hawaiian Open, I think. Right. And uh, 30 years ago, John Morse, a University of Michigan graduate from uh, Marshall, won by three shots over Tom Lehman and Duffy Waldorf 30 years ago at the, the Hawaiian Open. And uh, we haven't had, uh, that was 1985. Uh, Dan Pohl won two tournaments in 1986, and there has not been a Michigan golfer since then, since 1986, who has won on the PGA Tour. Really, even Duffy or uh, uh, D.A. Wybring or those guys, they weren't? No. Well, D.A. Oh. was uh, actually he's from Illinois. Right. And Although he was, he was he at was, Red Run, wasn't he? He was an assistant at Red Run, and that's when he won. Then he left there and went on to the tour. Okay, uh, yeah. 
Well, that's interesting to watch. There are a couple people that are doing well. What's his name? Justin? Somebody? Uh, Justin Hicks? Just, well, just well, three of them. Tom Gillis, Justin Hicks, and Brian Stewart played at uh, YLI, and they all missed the cut. Oh, they did. That's too bad, yeah. huh? Yeah. Well, it's sure fun to, to watch, and uh, it's sure fun to talk with you, Jack, and, and just, you know, um, I just every time I read and Google you, I find out more. I love this one. I didn't realize that you wrote a column for uh, Golf World entitled, which makes me remember. Remember the was it Golf World or that came out of Pinehurst back in the early sixties? Yes. And yeah. how that evolved. I love that little magazine. Yeah. Has it evolved? <laughs> a convincing case for Michigan. And uh, when it comes to golf, the Northern State is state of the art. So you wrote a column uh, for Golf World. So you thought, I mean, it's amazing what you've contributed to Pure Michigan and all those, what, 800 golf courses, just keeping them out there and the national influence that you've had. Something it's like very that. Fun. Uh, and they're doing, uh, you know, they had some tough times, especially, you know, when the when the cars were down. It was uh, times were tough, but they're coming back and uh, they've got uh, – you know, a number of a number of the resort courses were ranked high again in the latest Golf Digest. You know, best of this, best of that, and so forth. And uh, so things are things are looking good. Other than when I'm looking out, I'm seeing snow on the roof over here, <laughs> snow on the ground, 30 degrees, gray, gloomy, <laughs> and you're out there in paradise. Yeah, but knowing you, you have the discipline. You're probably getting out for your walk because you've run the New York Marathon. You used to run the Emily Detroit runs. You're a hiker. So uh, people that are diehard athletes in the, the, the Michigan weather about this time of year, I admire because I remember so well bundling up and, you know, having to – I mean, it's very it's a very pretty day today. It's going to be a nice day to take a run. So, well, Jack Berry, always a pleasure, and um, I'm sure I'll be in touch with you over the next couple of weeks. Is gosh, the Pistons are doing good. The Red Wings, I love the Pistons. Yeah. What's happening to them? Yeah, both the Pistons and Red Wings doing real well, and uh, Michigan and Michigan State basketball are terrible. <laughs> they are in the dumps right now. Okay, but U of M, everybody, U of M people are happy, right? Because oh, oh they're they my God, they're about wetting their pants. They're so happy over <laughs> over Harbaugh. <laughs> so well, and he'll, I'll tell you, he'll do a he'll do a job, and he will keep it interesting. I I remember I, him I remember, in the eighties. Well, I remember that the meter he had then. Well, in nineteen eighty six, uh, he was uh, he was a senior, and the last game, of course, is always uh, Ohio State, and you would get uh, you know. They let us uh, talk to about one player on early in the week. So it was Harbaugh. So Harbaugh comes in and at uh, Weber's out there in Ann Arbor, <laughs> and, and he guarantees that they're going to beat Ohio State on Saturday. So everybody goes, "Oh yeah, great! You know that's wonderful for us." He leaves. Bo comes in. Hey, guess what? Jim did. Jim just guarantees. <laughs> You're going to win on Saturday. He what? You know, Mo <laughs> was uh, a little bit shocked. Uh, but uh, the Wolverines did win on Saturday. And that's why uh, Jim at the press conference a couple weeks ago said he was not going to give any prognosis of how he was going to do it that he learned his lesson. <laughs> but I, I sent you an email this morning about some friends who had told me last summer they were going to Detroit in the fall and they were going to go to a U of M game and a Michigan State game and 
and uh, I got an answer from them, and they, they, they just, this is what they say, is Jim and Mary Helen Higgins, the members out at the club at Hokalia, which I'm, I'm real high on these days, um, he said they went to the Lions game in beautiful arena, and they beat Miami in the last few seconds. Very exciting. We were given yep. a great tour of the city, along with a running commentary from cousin Carol and husband Jim, both lifelong Detroit area residents. In their late 60s, they have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they are now so excited about what's happening in Detroit. I must say, you could just feel it in the air. There is definitely a lot good taking place. How about that yeah, for a testimonial of a visit to Detroit yeah. from some big islanders? Well, that's true. And, and uh, last, you know, with the uh, with the auto show, the first week is like uh, international, national media and big shots and that sort of came in, and they were, you know, they were. Uh, very, very uh, complimentary to what's happened at Kobo, how that's been expanded and uh, renovated, and everything else that they've done to it. Every all the all the things that are happening in town that uh, been very sure. complimentary. Uh, Absolutely, so, and and just to, you know, kind saying of saying good things about Detroit. It isn't just which, Emily. <laughs> yes, they're saying nice things about Detroit. You can pick up your T-shirt at City Bird and look down. They've got them there, and the stickers and mugs and everything. But what I love about it is, just a few years ago, there was talk of not even having the auto show that they might lose it, and then regionally, right. get, what putting the three hundred million dollars in renovating. I've been following the show closely this week. What they had uh, fifteen thousand people almost at the charity event the other night and raised almost four million dollars, and they. They expect right close to a million people this week at the auto show, 750 cars on display. I've been listening to everybody's broadcast from uh, Cliff Russell from 1200 to, you know, everybody's there at WWJ, and I'm scooting around the radio station listening and hearing, you know, all kinds of things, and, and people are using the phrase, say nice things about Detroit, which is, it just shows that it, it, it has some merit to it, you know. Yeah, There's definitely. a lot of pride. It's yeah. really great. So, Jack, thank you for your years of support, and and just uh, the friendship, and it's always a great pleasure to, and, and proud to have you on the Emily TKL Show here on ESPNHawaii.com. Okay, get in front of the TV camera and wave to me. Okay, I'll do that. I'll be there. All right. Okay. Jack, Jack is referring to the Mitsubishi Electric Championship as well. I've had the, the privilege of working with Brian Goyne and uh, the PGA Champion Store Executive Management, Kelly Fleer, the tournament manager, and and just uh, a lot of the people with the, uh, the the PGA, Dave Senko, the media relations, who actually went to school here at the University of Hawaii, and, and that's how he got into the world of golf and working with the PGA. He was an intern, and he grew, and I'd love to share those kind of stories about yeah. how people got into the field they did. So you know Dave and Phil, right? There he's worked with yeah. them a lot. Well, you, uh, you know uh, Al Michaels. Uh, he used sure. to cover the, he did the baseball team there for a number of years, and that's in his book. That uh, just just came out is uh, I have it here. I don't remember the title. No kidding. But, uh, he David, he, pl- he played or he covered it. He covered he covered the uh, uh, what is the name of the baseball team? They were in the Pacific Coast League. Oh uh, yeah, right, right, right. Okay, the All Stars or something for like that. A couple of years and right. uh, and uh, Faraday is doing a uh, a uh, interview with him leading up to the uh, the Super Bowl. He's uh, He's doing the Super Bowl game. Yeah, I just, uh, Al, you know, I, I saw Al, Al, Al Michaels is a strong uh, Hawaii booster. 
I didn't realize that, you know, I've had occasions to kind of be in the bar with him and stuff at the Riviera Country Club. I was hanging out there a little bit after going to the LA Open and covering it, meeting people that were members. And I like him. I, I And I love David Faraday's show. I, I love the way, you know, they're going back in the history of people like yourself, the great stories that you all have and have contributed to the world of sports. It, it's very fun. Yeah, Faraday does a great job on that. Yeah, he sure does. Well, Jack, and so do you. It's just such a pleasure, and I love seeing you. You're just so prolific. All the stuff you're doing for the uh, Michigan golfer, and of course, Art McCafferty and Jenny just uh, just have been putting out so much good information for the years over the years about Michigan golf and Michigan running. And uh, it's fun to weave it together, Hawaii and Detroit. They're both home to me. Thank okay. you so much. Okay, All Jack. Right. The Emily T. Gale Show here on ESPNHawaii.com. Well, it's always a pleasure during Mitsubishi Electric Championship Week to meet up with my friend Chick Kunataki from Waiaha River Coffee, my longtime, longtime friends, which is more important than the fact longtime mutual supporters of one another. So Waiaha River Coffee, 100% smooth-flowing coffee. And what's so delightful, it's it's always fun to, to take some coffee out to the people that for 19 years I've worked with out at Mitsubishi Electric Championship, the media officials, Dave Senko this week, and... Kelly Fleer, tournament manager, Brian Goyne, tournament director. Uh, it's just always a pleasure. So, Chick, I came down to the farm here, and uh, Chick is, um, gosh, you took your first visit out to the Mitsubishi Electric Championship about five years ago and had not been out to the four seasons since you were a kid, probably back in the, what, 50s or so, fishing with your dad. In the 40s, actually. And that place was that place was beautiful. You know what what I mean beautiful was there was nobody there. There wasn't a, even a tree at the uh, uh, Hualalai Resort. You know, but on the other end where they have the um, uh, Kona Village, well, there were a few trees there and sand. The ocean. When I went there the first time four or five years ago anyway to see the Mitsubishi Electric, I was shocked to see the area because it used to be only lava rocks. But now when you look at that, you see it was bearing land. So now you see that it's like Hollywood, you know, where they bring on the props, you know, and planted all those trees. I think every tree there was planted. Yeah, and even the Willy Willy tree when you drive into the entrance. So, mm-hmm. Chick Kunataki, I mean, you, your family's been on this farmland since, well, for almost, what, 95, 96 years. Yeah. So uh-huh. you saw a lot of uh, Kona, places that we can't even imagine. But you, you know, that was about five years ago, and you really took to being out there and watching the tournament. You've made friends, I mean, like with J. Don Blake and his family of 21 that were here a few years ago, and you're in touch with he and Marcy. He can't, he, he's got injured this year but uh you've made a lot of friends out there and of course you understand the game of golf which is neat but you you tell a little bit to the people who have maybe never been to the tournament yeah you really don't have to be an enthusiastic golfer to go out and and enjoy watching the tournament yes i i think that everybody should go out and take a look at that place because you know the landscape the way they did it is a beautiful resort area and then when you see the ocean and the waves and you you wonder, wow, you know, they spent millions and millions of dollars to to fix that place, what it looks like today, for everybody to enjoy it, to tourists or or golfers or regular guy like me, you know, and out there, and I said, oh, boy, you know, I, when you walk around that area and, and you wonder, oh, what, 
wow, how can, how can they do this? It's impossible, like, but when you saw it there, when I saw it there, and when I went back there to see it, and I said, oh boy, you know, it's amazing what these guys did there, millions of dollars put into that, and because of that, everybody has a job there now. A lot of people, hundreds of people have jobs there now, which is good in a way, you know, because that's, they, they have to go there and make a living, yep. okay, tourists. And uh, I, I think it's great that everybody, everybody, uh, what do you call, uh, benefits from it, I think, anyway. Well, now, how about as far as the Mitsubishi Electric Championship and watching uh, players that you kind of grew up knowing about, you know, now with the Champion Store players coming on, all the players we get to see from Hale Irwin, Fred Couples, uh, Fred Funk, I mean, you've seen Gary Player, uh, all of them that have come through uh, each year, and you get a little more season. Tom Watson, yeah. <laughs> uh, people ben, that you've ben made Cr friends with, Ben, ben Crenshaw. Crenshaw. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I thought that, you know, when when uh, people in Kona should go out there and mingle among them, you know, they're, and they're very nice and easy to talk to. So if they got a question or something like that, they can always ask them, you know. And I think they would be happy to talk to the local people there. Uh -huh. I, I have no idea why, you know, people don't go out there and do that, you know. And... And, you know, you're right. I mean, there's so many people that haven't been out there, as many people as that go every year, yes. and it just keeps growing. It's uh, the 19th year, and so you're encouraging people that have not been out there, and, and particularly because you can take juniors out there. They're complimentary under 16. Yeah, that's correct. You know, just junior golfers, and don't have to be a junior golfer. Just either. a junior. Come out and appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Men, boys and girls, you know. And I think it, to be able to uh, connect with those people... Uh, the, the local people I'm talking about, that, you know, who who live here all their lives, and, and the players like that, don't they? I mean, they've sure drawn to you. They like talking to you, and you've you've made so many friends out there, and even some of them have come down to the farm. The PGA media officials. Yeah, and I I would suggest that uh, whoever haven't been out there, go and take a look. You know, anybody, just go out there and take a look. One day, it'll be fine, and you'll be surprised at how nice everybody's out there. You know, the people, who, the volunteers who are working real hard out there, you know, in the hot sun, and, and then all the people who have, uh, who worked there and helping the Mitsubishi at that time, you know, when I, when I go, and I said, what a lovely situation for them. Mitsubishi is here, and then they can connect with hey, all the golfers and the players and who work down there too also. The know. visitors and uh, yeah. I saw Chris Hazard and Larry Webb out at the uh, uh, Kelly Fleer's uh, the trailer out there where the volunteers are working. I saw them out there today. They're all you know working hard, uh, getting ready for the week of course uh, and uh, Chris Hazard, Larry Webb on behalf of the Rotary Club of Kona they organize all the volunteers upwards of 400 volunteers and then uh, a nice sizable check every year goes into the Rotary Club of Kona Community Foundation and over the years Getting close to a million dollars that has been raised to go back into our Big Island community. Goes to the Daniel Sarah Foundation, the Rotary Club of Kona Community Foundation, Big Island Junior Golf. It's always fun to see the, the junior golfers out there because they have their little tournament out at Manalani in the morning on Saturday, I think it is. And then all the kids out there with their Mitsubishi Electric Big Island Golfers shirts. And they know how to watch, right? Because they're seasoned golfers, even though they're 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. And the players love that, don't they, when they're signing the autographs for the those kids? Yes, I, I. When I look at that, and the little kids run up to the golfers and ask them, they want the autograph, and they're so 
happy to give them, give it to them. You know, little kids go around to the big golfers and say, you know, show them the picture and everything, and sure enough, they'll all sign it, and they'll talk to the kids, you know, so bring your kids there, everybody, bring them over there. <laughs> complimentary, it's complimentary. It's only uh, $30 for the week and uh, $15, well, $20 at the gate for a daily pass, but makes for a great day. Bring a, a towel or a... a, a a beach chair and sit around the 18th green or you can go to spectator village and watch on big screens or you can walk around i know you chick you've walked the whole course a couple times last year you walked every round i think with jadon blake and his wife marcy and that's a long day it's a long day but yet it's a really rewarding day for me because i love to see these guys play you know they're really really they're they're pros pro pros you know yeah. and, well they all came off the pga tour and these are the best of the champions tour they had to earn their right to to play in this event yes that's why when i go there i want to see everybody i go there early to see them warm up you know, to hit the ball, you know, driving it or, you know, putting or uh-huh. everything. I, I just love to see them play like that, you know. But I can't play golf myself, but I like to watch them. No, but I always thought that you had never even tried to play golf, but I learned from you the other day that you actually did play some golf years ago. So so I always wondered, because you seem to t- uh, take to it and understand it quite, quite easily, which it's easy to do when you're out there and you can talk to people and see what they're doing. And the scoreboards, the Mitsubishi Electric scoreboards are fantastic aren't they just like the ones that's in the uh, dallas Cowboys scoreboard those are the yeah. same the big uh lcd i guess they are or what, what unbelievable lots of trivia on the scoreboards they're all over the golf course so it's real-time scoring and uh the volunteers are the ones that make that happen in real-time scoring yeah i, I see those volunteers and i know a lot of them and I, they're stronger than me, so they can walk around with those guys, you know. <laughs> and they got the signs. The sign bearers have to carry the signs with right. the scores, uh-huh. how they're doing. Uh-huh. So it's Chick Kunitaki we're talking to, Waiaha River Coffee, winners of the People's Choice Awards, three times uh, the Halualoa Art and Coffee Stroll. And uh, they're headquartered at Dinah's, right next to Paul's Place, in the heart of uh, Halualoa, across from uh, Mary Love and Mary and Matt Lovin's Gallery and the post office. And as I'm always talking about, first Fridays in Halualoa is a, is a great time to come up to Halualoa. They're open on Friday evenings, everybody. And the sidewalks, they've got enough room on the side of the street to walk. There's restaurants, a lot of great galleries. And, uh, you know, I, I always say, poke your head in a diner's, pick up some Ayaha River coffee, half pound, full pound, uh, ground and bean, and dark and medium roast. And again, 100% smooth flowing Kona coffee. And as Chick always says, after what, fourth generation farmers? Third, yeah. gener- third and fourth generation. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then your nephews and everybody. Um, he just wants to make good coffee, and he does. That's all I want to do, make coffee so everybody can enjoy drinking it. You know? <laughs> well, you know, you've met so many. You've met writers, Dick Mudry, longtime golf writer, uh, Phil Stambaugh, media official, Dave Senko. You've met so many people over the last few years and really made friends and given them a little anchor into the local life uh, here on the beautiful big island of Hawaii. My my good friend, Chick Kunataki, longtime supporter of the Emily T. Gale Show, all the Kunataki, Ohana, Dinah, Jeannie, Helen, John, Daniel, Coy, everybody. I just I love this family, and uh, it's been a, a mutual support and love and care for one another for, wow, over 25 years now, hasn't it? Just about there, and we all love you, Emily. I love you, too. Give me a hug here, Chick. Okay. Chick and I both say aloha. aloha.
Well, some of the golf notes of uh, the last few days, it was great seeing him celebrating Jack Nicklaus's 75th birthday this week. And I remember so well when he turned 60 and they had a big party on the 10th tee at Hualalai when at the Mitsubishi Electric Championship at Hualalai. I was digging out some old pictures of Jack with his little birthday cap on and everything. He was such a good sport. It was such a, everybody was so uh, festive and corny and everything, but that was, gosh, hard to believe that was 15 years ago. Jack was playing in the uh, Mitsubishi Electric Championship at Hualalai. But he just a wonderful presentation on, on Golf Channel, and it was really nice to see Jack talk about Barbara Nicholas being the recipient of the 2015 Bob Jones Award, which is the highest award that uh, the USGA can honor. And he was so touched about it. And it's, it's, uh, usually it's a player, but it's the individual who recognizes or who demonstrates the spirit, personal character, and respect for the game exhibited by Jones. And um, what a what a wonderful person Barbara Nicholas is. It was really fun to get to know her when she would come over for the senior skins. And, of course, while Jack was building the uh, club at Hokalia, which I want to say nice things about. Uh, a lot of good things going on down there. And, of course, they had a successful Habitat for Humanity tournament in the month of January. And their monthly tournament for February is for the Hawaii Island Food Basket February 23rd. So the club at Hokalea continues to raise lots of money for our, our big island nonprofits. And what a beautiful golf course. I was down there the other day, yesterday. Uh, I have a lot for sale and with a, with a Kohala State Realty. And this is a lot I sold to the owner back in 2000 when Hokalea was first underway and everybody thought it was just going to sail along. It's had its challenges, but my gosh, what a wonderful job. The people who are owners there and there have been some homes built, some beautiful homes, but they've done a wonderful job of maintaining the golf course and the the club at Hokalea, the festivities that they, the tournaments they have. They just had their uh, member guests uh, successful for both the women and the men. And they've got new bocce courts down there. The club membership, they're very active. Uh, they just uh, redid the pavilion. When you drive in, I think it's the sewer lines they're working on. A lot of activity down there. The lot I have for sale is uh, it's in the million-dollar range, and it's a beautiful lot. But <clears throat> there's a, some of the homes, uh, Carol Hogue with exclusive properties. In fact, you can go to her site, carolhoaguehawaii.com. And she's got a wonderful uh, YouTube video that really showcases what Hokalia uh, – just the beautiful photographs, the golf course, and gives some idea of of, of where it's at now. And um, they have a, a nice membership that have uh, own, people that own lots. Some people have built homes. Carol has a, a home on the market that someone is selling because they're going to build a, another home at Hokalia. And they love living there. I think it's in the $5 million range, but it's absolutely gorgeous and really nice. There's a lot of construction going on down there at Hokalia, which is just south on a E Drive and the bypass road is being worked on down to Napopo. So, so I was going to have Carol Hogan this morning or today, this week, and talk about Hokalia. We'll do that next week. But trying to talk to with some of the people who do own lots there and our our members at the Club of Hokalia to showcase all the great efforts they've they've made to um, keep keep things. Uh, moving at Hokalia and there's a lot of a lot of progress has been made with the developers the new developers and we get some uh, more updates on that from Carol and other owners and members of the club of Hokalia 
Again, I want to encourage you to go to uh, com and check out her YouTube showcasing Hokalea. Also, our website, com, and we've got some nice properties that uh, uh, Lotus Golden does, one at um, Kakio and then uh, 49 Black Sands Beach and Cindy Morgan, uh, the owner of the company. Lots of great vacation rentals, and we're always happy to help you. And I'm particularly enjoying the fact that a handful of us that have uh, lots or homes for sale down at Hokalia are kind of all uh, saying nice things about the project and getting getting more conversation going amongst uh, ourselves and in the media. What I love about Hokalia is it is an agricultural designation and it really has a very rural feeling. It is in South Kona, so that is inherent in it. And uh, with everything that it's gone through over the last 10 years, I think it's uh, shaping up to be a wonderful contribution to the community in many ways. So coming up February 4th through the 8th is the Amara Ari Intercollegiate Golf Tournament at Waikoloa Beach Resort. This is the 25th year, and it's rated as one of the top uh, collegiate tournaments in the country. It's a Division I tournament, a, f- a couple of Division II tournaments, including the University of Hawaii Hilo under Kurt Ch- Coach Earl. They, they are the host team. They do a wonderful job of, of uh, hosting all the teams. There will be 20 teams, some of the best in the country, including the defending champion Oklahoma State. And past medalists in that this particular event are Jordan Spieth, Nota Begay, and Matt Kuchar. I have a little uh, YouTube piece I put up um, from last year, and uh, John Fields was here with the Texas Longhorns where Jordan had played and his team was playing in the intercollegiate last year and it's also where Taylor Funk Fred Funk's son is now a member of the Longhorns team and uh, Taylor here this week uh, probably caddying for his dad and um, I thought saw a quote that was kind of fun uh, Taylor tried to qualify for the Sony Open and didn't make it so he said he was going to caddy for his dad and he got to tell his dad what to do <laughs> this week but uh, I love that family uh, Fred Funk Taylor Funk and uh, the whole family very 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 nice and they've certainly made a lot of friends here on the big island as they've come to the Mitsubishi Electric Championship for a long time and, of course, always having earned his way here because you have to have won a, a, a tournament on the Champions Tour or a major, and, and then there's just some sponsor exemption. So top, top players at the Mitsubishi Electric Championship and a wonderful announcement by the by Charles Schwab. Uh, they're going to extend their Charles Schwab Cup for 20 more years. That's the million-dollar uh, prize. Bernhard Langer won it last year, and that's really going to – all those guys that come off the PGA Tour – way before they come off the PGA Tour into the Champions Tour, they know that there's a lot of money to be made and it's a very competitive tour and it's a wonderful way for them to continue their career. And what a uh, a testimonial that is to the Charles Schwab Company commitment to the growth of the game and the continuation of the Champions Tour. I was really happy to hear that. With my friends last night who played with in the... um, the fundraiser for the Y State Junior Golf Association at Nanea, and it's been fun getting them involved in that event. 
It's a very limited field, and they had a wonderful time. They played with Rocco Mediate, said he was just an absolute delight. It's a real casual event, but it's um, it raises a, a large sum of money for the Hawaii State Junior Golf Association, and and also uh, Dave Marr with the Golf Channel, Dave Marr the Third. He had donated some golf rounds at a couple of clubs that he belongs to in in New York. Very prestigious clubs and um, put it up for auction and for a very pricey amount he had three packages so they raised a lot of money in that regard and and uh, I know my friend Paul Forte and Nancy Clavel they'll be making that trip because they were one of the people that bought one of the auction packages so that'll that'll work well for them Paul's a pilot and they'll go over there and have a wonderful weekend and I'm sure Dave will show them a warm and wonderful time but what a commitment Dave Marr and Mark Rolfe and so many people have made to the Hawaii State Junior Golf Association Mary B. Porter King and Jim Saunders putting on a a wonderful event up in Nenea and J.B. McIntosh. So just continuing the efforts of the Hawaii State Junior Golf Association to um, the, just to extend the opportunity for junior golfers in Hawaii to play great golf and learn great golf, have college scouts see the great golf they play, and so many uh, college scholarships have been awarded as a result of the exposure the Hawaii State Junior Golf Association has given to our junior golfers here in Hawaii so many groups I want to mention, the Wyclo Drive Force, wonderful uh, newsletter that uh, Jen Lawson puts out, and they raised the money they wanted to, to take care of the future foresters, the, the, the keiki that are involved in the program working with the Wyclo Drive Force, and they had kind of a Kickstarter uh, um, arrangement, and they raised the funds they needed. Kaupulehu Drive Force, wonderful, a wonderful organization, and they were part of the Waimea Ocean Film Festival. They did a, a great presentation. Um, Wiles Brauner is the site manager up there. Have him on the show soon. Um, the Hawaii Film Festival, that would be Jan and Leo Sears, and of course Kathy Tarleton always helps them so much. Their, their film festival is coming up in May, but they have a deadline for February 1 if you want to get your, enter your project for their film festival, which is uh, in May, May 21st to the 25th at the Fairmont Orchid. And so they, they it's got uh, narrative feature length and short films specializing in narratives. So get your uh, go to their uh, website. All the rules and submission guidelines are at BigIslandFilmFestival.com. So that's going to be a wonderful event. And congratulations to Chad. Chad, who takes care of, who organized 11 years ago the first uh, Kona Film Festival. Ocean uh, uh, Surf Festival. It was up at Aloha Theater. Now he's down at the Marriott, the King Kamehameha Kona Beach Hotel. And what a wonderful event that he's been able to maintain for 11 years. That's going on the weekend of the 30th, January 30th. Shane has given back to the community so much. He, he, um, it's a free event for the kids, and I look forward to having Shane and his mom, Susie, on the show over the next month or two because uh, when I went to the Waimea Ocean Film Festival, I saw Shane in the ESPN docuseries, of course, the world champion in the big wave surfing, and he's got a lot of accolades in his uh, resume, and I had never seen him in action, and those films just unbelievable. It's hard to 
<clears throat> imagine everything that he's done in his career, but I'm trying to catch up. I, I didn't know him well as a little kid, but I knew his mom. And just to kind of catch up, and I, I ran into Susie on a hike with the Kona Hiking Club, and we had a great chance to talk and had her on the show. And, and uh, so now I've been researching about Shane's career over the last 15, 20 years, and it is unbelievable. But what's more unbelievable, oh, and, and, and I'm not surprised, is how much he has given back to our Big Island community. And uh, I know he's always involved with the Daniel Sayre Foundation and uh, supports that, and they honor him. And, and of course, the Daniel Sayre Foundation, also one of the recipients from the Mitsubishi Electric Championship at Hualalai. And every single day, the, the uh, ripple effect of the Daniel Sayre Foundation happens in all the rescues and everything that happened with our Hawaii County Fire Department. And rescue squad, uh, Frank and Laura Sayre, Dr. Frank and Laura Sayre, Frank, my dentist for many years, and they're retired now, but they, for what, going into the 19th year, I believe, will be the Daniel Sayre Foundation dinner in August. But year-round raising funds, the fire department gives a wish list of things that are needed um, to for rescues, ocean rescues, mountain rescues, everything. And visitors, locals, we have so many people that, and so, there's a lot of rescues that go on day in and day out that we don't hear about. And the Daniel Sayre Foundation was uh, created as a result of a tragedy. Frank and Laura's son, uh, Daniel, died in a hiking accident in Po'olu Valley, and it is, uh, turned into, rather than a rescue, into recovering his body. But it was difficult because the fire department didn't have long enough ropes and all the equipment they needed, and that's when Frank and Laura vowed they were going to do everything to raise equipment that would make it uh, facilitate the rescues and not put those who were the first responders in peril as well. So uh, a lot of good things happening with the Daniel Sayre Foundation and Shane Dorian's efforts too. Well, Black History Month coming up in February. Looking forward to doing some shows for that. Meanwhile, the Golf Channel was running an absolutely wonderful special that I I just had no idea uh, just like having followed baseball a little bit and seeing where Jackie Robinson broke the the color barrier and, and Branch Rickey, you know, integrated him into the, the Dodgers. But just watching this, this show, uh, I think it was called Uneven Lies, and as a title of a book written by, I think his name is Pete McDaniels. But the show, it's wonderful. They're rerunning it on the Golf Channel, and it just takes you back. I, I said to a friend of mine last night, wow, in the 1960s, while we were going to the Buick Open in Detroit up in Flint, Michigan, I had no clue that at that time blacks were not allowed to play on the PGA tour so learning and filling in all these pukas and things it's it's not to 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 pass judgment is as much to understand the evolution of so many things and a lot of those uh, afro-american players were every bit as good better than players on the pga tour which is a lot of the reason why the pga tour at that time was uh, keeping it a a uh, segregated organization but i really recommend everybody watching that show and it's it's such fun to see the Golf Channel where it's gone. I remember so well when, when Arnold Palmer, it's this week that it was always the senior skins at Montelani Resort, really have to uh, make a mention of Buster Bustamani, who was the director of golf at that time. But I think back, uh, Arnie, at the press conferences at the senior skins back in the 90s, at, at Montelani, and he was just starting the Golf Channel with his uh, friend uh, Joe Gibbs. As I always say, it's not the Joe Gibbs with the Washington Redskins, but Joe, who initially had the idea of 24-hour programming for golf, and 
and uh, went to Arnie, and they partnered up. And it took a long time for them to get it off the ground and get it into the the general access of cable, and it's and uh, longer than they anticipated. But what a evolution that has been! Twenty four hour golf programming and showcasing the sport to all recreational enthusiasts and hopefully they can um, keep helping the sport grow it, it, uh, golf like a lot of things because of the expense of it has had its challenges but i love watching the discussion of how the golf how everybody can participate in having the game grow you know offering nine hole rates uh, women's clinics the pga of america is doing the get golf ready uh the first tee program there's so many so many interesting things going on in the world of golf and that just reminds me i happened to see uh Jerome Kanuha yesterday and we got talking and i just want to to mention the Kanuha family the Kanuha foundation a long time big island family that i've watched for so many years and all the contributions they've made and it was wonderful talking to him and and getting a little more insight into to their family and uh, from from the contributions to the sport of paddling to surfing to uh, so many ways that they've contributed the Kanuha family. So I really look forward to talking with with Jerome and sharing more of the history of of their family and the legacy. And speaking of that, uh, Earl Regador was one of the speakers at the Waimea Ocean Film Festival. Earl, the cultural uh, director at the uh, Four Seasons Resort, uh, Four Seasons Hualalai Resort. And he did a wonderful talk on Amakuas, and there was a, a nice crowd there. So I'm going to try to run that one week. But it's um, those are the kind of things that are wonderful, is to have people that grew up on the island share their stories and, and also share how they've learned to, to, to integrate and accept uh, all the development and everything that's going on on the island. I, I, I struggle with it. I kind of feel, you know, development enough already. Um, Whereas at one time I was, you know, I wasn't quite that much in terms of slow down the development. I thought a lot of good things happening, but now I'm like, slow it down. But as long as I can remember, I've asked people who have longtime family roots here how they feel about how fast everything's happening on the Big Island. I've been here 1986, so 20, 30 years. And uh, that's always been a reoccurring question I like to ask people. How do you balance it? Because I struggle with it in Detroit. I, I didn't like the fact that I'm from Detroit, my hometown. I always talk about, say nice things about Detroit. But I watched as all the conversation happened about uh, casinos. And I, I don't think while the casinos bring tremendous amount of tax money into the city and they're packed every night, I feel that it's also uh, affected a lot of the small businesses, restaurants, and small places that people would be otherwise out in the street. And said they're packed. And they are out on the street. And they are going to ball games and everything. But sometimes the could just be a little too much development, a little too fast, because I think that uh, small businesses are really the fabric of small communities and big cities. I mean, that's how big cities grew, and small communities um, thrive, and I, I hope they you know continue to, just like down in Kailua Village. So I encourage everybody to check out our small village, Kailua Village, on the Kakua Sundays uh, once a month, and also up in Halualoa. The uh, First Fridays, they're wonderful ways to get your walk-in and your recreation is to go see our towns. I I just um, 
think you can mix that with, uh, and also sending your friends to these places when you send them for a walk, (laughs) tell them to go take a walk through Kailua Kona. I had somebody over New Year's that was here and they stayed at the uh, Sheraton down at uh, Keahoe and really before they checked into their place and really encouraged them to have two days down in town and they loved it. So when we can all encourage people to enjoy both aspects of our communities, the resorts and the local and um, smaller communities. It's the Emily T. Gale Show here on ESPN, Hawaii.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Aloha.